Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, welcome back. Step right up to my quarantine office. It's great to be with you for another incredible time of worship together remotely. Now it's been about three months in quarantine life. (laughs) Can you believe that? 12 weeks inside. Pretty crazy, unprecedented times we live. Well, just to give you some direction about what 180 will do to begin to reopen our services live, And in person, um, I want to give you some updates today before we start. Uh, Last week on Mother's Day, there was news uh, reported by the Los Angeles Times that a church near Sacramento in California opened up their services against CDC guidelines. And a person was exposed to COVID and exposed 180 people. And this made national news. And when I heard the number 180, it really stuck with me because, well, you know, it's our church's name. And that's something we want to avoid at all costs. We don't want to uh, damage the reputation of God's witness, especially in a public health emergency. And so uh, I want you to know that we're going to open up in phases Uh, Just this week, New York, Governor Cuomo, and most of the United States said that worship could re-assume with 10 people. So we're not going to even go there yet with remote sites, but that's what we'll do first um, in the next phases. We'll probably again meet in remote sites, but we're going to take extreme caution because we want to protect those who live with the elderly and children and asymptomatic things that science we still don't really understand in this highly infectious and respiratory disease. So we're going to really incrementally move to protect you, protect our families, and for the sake of witness for Christ. So know that that's how we're going to approach it. And uh, especially one of the things going on that today I want to bring to your attention so that we can pray together Uh, in unison, in harmony, and in unity, is for many churches in our own city, especially under-resourced churches, that will most likely suffer severely from online um, worship services and not having revenue because of unemployment, precarious uh, job prospects, and etc. As we open back the economy, uh, many churches won't survive. And that's a tough spot for many leaders to be in, especially our pastors in this city. So will you pray with me just in a moment uh, for God to move? And 
I want to give you an update on how we can maybe help in that area as well in the future. But I just want to say thank you to all of our core community and all those of you watching online. 180 has not seen a single decimal in revenue. Uh, we have not fallen at all. You've been faithful through these last three months by giving faithfully to carry the mission forward to secure our call to preach the gospel in the city and for many years to come. So <clears throat> applaud yourselves right now. Everybody online and those of you watching with, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being awesome. And thank you for pushing forward, propelling the cause of Christ. I am so proud of you. And as we begin to worship today, just for a moment, would you close your eyes and slip away and as we pray for the churches that will be suffering through this pandemic financially and many other ways. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for the under-resourced communities in our city. Those might be experiencing a lot of trepidation and fear in this precarious moment. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen all those heroes that are serving under-resourced communities where revenues have fallen deeply because of unemployment, the economy most likely going to recession, and much fear. We want to pray for those pastors and lay leaders and gospel workers in the city and around the world that are preaching the gospel, that are struggling today. We want to pray that your spirit and your presence would carry them, that you would be with them, and that we would be with them, Lord. We are just a very small part our community, and we can't do it alone. So we pray that you would anoint and provide for all those who are preaching your name and lifting your name high. And together, help us, give us wisdom in how we can help in the future and today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 180, I am proud of you, how you're navigating through this. And as we worship the Lord, let's, let's praise him for what he's doing in our community. But let's also pray for our heart to extend this gospel witness for our brothers and keep them in prayer, will you? Now, listen to this part carefully because it's paramount to our broader topic that we will address today as we move into the book of Acts and observe the spirit of Pentecost and the event, that phenomenon that changed history. Last week, we explored in great detail the purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Today, we want to explore the fruit of the filling. Not just the purpose, not what it's for, but what the outcome should be. Because when we examine phenomenon, spiritual experiences, how can we discern it's the work of God? And the truth is, Scripture tells us plainly we don't in the moment. We experience existential and visceral moments that can seem powerful and amazing. But the Bible tells us, and Jesus told his disciples very carefully, you will only know the work of God by the fruit, by the result, by the outcome. And today, that's what we want to explore. We want to explore the outcomes, the ubiquitous benchmarks of what results 
when the Spirit of God fills you and uses you. Because not all spiritual experiences are created equal. It has to accomplish something. It has to, God never does anything in vain, and He doesn't waste a thing in our lives. So if He initiates, and if He moves in your life, in you and through you, it's going to accomplish His purposes. That's what the Bible says. So today, that's what we want to explore carefully. So we've clearly seen this manifested in our culture. In the advent of Tinder, one-night stands, and hookup culture, people are infatuated with love at first sight, instant chemistry, and attraction, alchemy, and dream of this amazing experience in their romance, in their romantic relationships. But psychological studies have shown very clearly that all of these feelings don't always lead to life. Most of the time they lead to despair and heartbreak and heartache. And some of you have experienced this in your own life. And that's why experiences are not all created equal, right? Not all of them lead to life, beauty, or anything really of value. In hindsight, 2020, you see that you wish you never experienced that in the first place. Some people say that they don't regret anything. That's completely bogus. There are things that you do not need to experience in this life. Yes, God can redeem them. But when you go down this path using feelings, using orgasmic experiences to be your guide of your life, you're, you're acting more like a drug addict. Life doesn't work that way. Life doesn't just come from amazing experiences. Sometimes there's hard work, marriage counseling, and counseling in general. There's a lot of soul work that has to be done. And so we want to apply the same lens to spiritual experiences. Not all spiritual experiences are created equal. The way you discern the work of the Spirit, there are ubiquitous benchmarks excavated from this passage. Clearly, when the Spirit of God fills there is an outcome, a ubiquitous outcome. Fruit that brings life change, brings value, and accomplishes the purposes of God. That's a very important triangulation to remember. So today, let's learn those ubiquitous benchmarks. What are those outcomes? So let's go to the text and learn these critical lessons and apply them in our lives as God moves in us and through us. Amen. Hey guys, today's scripture reading comes from Acts 2, 14 to 17 and 21 to 38. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's delivered plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he was received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, we asked in the very beginning, what are those ubiquitous benchmarks when the Spirit of God fills you? What are those outcomes? Well, first we learn from this narrative, it always leads people in the culture to begin gospel conversations. Remember, the phenomenon at interest here was tongues of fire. If the tongues of fire simply was an insular event, meaning it was simply to deepen piety or someone's spirituality and didn't go into the world, it would not accomplish anything. Right? It wouldn't advance the kingdom. And a lot of times, the church today confuses spiritual experiences for the self or for the church when it's really for the world, it's for the city. If you look at the correlation between the Spirit's movement and the Spirit's purpose, very clearly you see here that it begins gospel conversations, right? You see, when the event happens, when tongues of fire happens, immediately in verse 12, it says that amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? They said this so loud, in such curiosity, genuine interest, they were asking them, the disciples and the 120. They were really drawn. And that's the key word there. 
You see how they were drawn to God? Not the phenomenon. They were really amazed by the phenomenon, but they were drawn to know who or what did that. And that's why they wanted to understand the meaning. They want to know what was the source. And so when there is a biblical, genuine phenomenon that takes place in your life or in a movement, what we even would classify as a revival. <laughs> I remember when I was growing up, people always talked about going to revival and there were just a bunch of Christians singing songs doing in the 90s, doing body worship. <laughs> there were no deaf people. And it was culturally awkward, I always thought. And we do these things, ministry praxis, really without application. But if you see in this passage very clearly, the correlation of God's movement is completely a catalyst for mission. Clearly to bless the world, to bless the city, to bless Jerusalem. See that correlation, that's critical and that's so important. So when there is a phenomenon, a spiritual phenomenon, when God moves, it always draws people to God. It doesn't just make the Christian or the person more pious or more spiritual, because that would be a waste. Just this week, if you haven't seen it in my social media, you've seen it that um, star in row our pandemic covid couple that was that were married was on basically a lot of the social media channels and the cover of ct magazine and i want to try to unpack that story for you because uh maybe you read the piece and i would encourage you to and to share it because it's producing a lot of fruit with unbelievers and people curious about god so here's the story Last spring, Haley, one of Star's really good friends from high school, Brooklyn Tech. Yay, Brooklyn Tech. Better than Staten Island Tech. I don't know. Maybe you look at the rankings. But Haley, last spring before Andrew proposed, had a dream. And it's, it was an odd dream. It seemed so strange. <laughs> she had a dream that Andrew proposed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle push pops, ring pops. And when she heard it, um, Haley saw in the dream how Star was downcasted, um, really upset in some sense, because, you know, she was uh, you know expecting more like the opening scene for Breakfast and Tiffany's, you know, she wanted that rock. And, you know, Haley's like, maybe I ate something weird. I don't know. <laughs> it was just a funny dream. And so, here it is. Let's use the lens of Haley's dream. Because when I heard the dream, when I was doing and officiating their wedding, just us, it stuck with me because it was prophetic, right? We didn't know it at the time because it could not have produced anything outside of just encouraging. And that's good enough. Encouragement that, hey, I Star, I know that you're going to go through this pandemic and it's going to ruin your wedding plans. But when I heard the dream in the Ninja Turtles, I knew in my spirit that I was supposed to write something. And I did. 
And Star just recently said that her co-workers in her hospital, because you know she's a pharmacist working at the height of the outbreak, many are looking to the article in the piece and asking spiritual questions. It's drawing them to him. You see, that's how you can tell that Haley's dream was actually given by God. It was producing not to just be a blessing to Star and Andrew, but the world, the city. It began gospel conversations. Isn't that powerful? God is moving in our midst. Praise God. I am so pumped. You see, that's why it's so important to discern the work of God in these experiences. Praise God for what he's doing. Will you pray and share what God is doing through that? And will you pray for dreams and visions? And we'll go more into spiritual gifts in the various weeks. Because God is moving, folks. The waves, ride the waves of the Spirit, the wind of the Spirit, because He is moving right now. Because although we're not meeting together in this pandemic, the Holy Spirit is not quarantined. We're quarantined, but the Spirit of God is moving. He is drawing people to Him. And all you need to do is say yes. And gospel conversations will result. Amen. So will you pray for that? So Father, we, we bless what you're doing through this story. Amen. Thank you for it. benchmarks that results from the filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, first, we said that it draws people to God and it helps people, it leads people in the culture to begin gospel conversations. Then second, it begins to highlight our resistance to God and our need for God. So our resistance maybe even our stubbornness and our need. If you read the text very carefully in verse 37, what does it say? It says that when people heard this, Peter preached about sin. Peter preached about how those present were responsible, the Jews, all of the Jews crucifying and handing over Jesus when he really was the Messiah, when he really was whom the Lord has anointed to bring good news and to bring his kingdom on earth. This is that when they heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? In that moment, this phenomenon leads to highlighting their resistance to Jesus and to God. In whatever context that looks like, context that looks like in your own life, then and there it showed their resistance 
to this man, Jesus, who actually God sent that they were resisting. And it highlighted who he was. And then it highlighted the need for him. So it highlights our resistance and our need. Very, very critical. The correlation of the phenomenon always leads not just to conversation, but convergence to conversion. There's a powerful dynamic that, play, that takes place in that phenomenon. It always draws people closer to God, and then it convicts people's need for God and their resistance to God. And repentance takes place. That's, that's powerful. And this is the part that often becomes tense in gospel witness. We draw many people, and God draws many people in your gospel conversation. But this is the culmination of those moments. And that's why without the filling of the Holy Spirit, without the Spirit of God working, it's almost impossible for people to change and experience life change. Because truthfully, knowing that you're a sinner internally and viscerally is one thing. But to admit it to your friends, to your family, to make amends for those things, it's very difficult. And in, in our community for years and years, so many people, smart people, and relatively good people morally, even though the Bible tells us very clearly that all have fallen short, you know, a lot of people are offended that they need to make repentance. And their heart, as like this text says, is not cut yet. It says, what should I do? How can I receive this grace, right? Because grace is poisonous sometimes to people who are proud. And that's why it's offensive. And some of you might be going through that. You might be offended by the gospel. Good, then you're actually understanding what the gospel is. Because Jesus dies for our sins. Even if you were the only one. And that's why the Spirit of God comes as the teacher and counselor to assuage the heart. To know that God's kindness leads us to repentance. <laughs> I've seen this so many times in our community. Our creative director almost punched out Amen a few times and, and tried to arrest me saying, Hey, I'm a good guy. I'm volunteering doing these videos. <laughs> The church here in Staten Island, you know, in his convergence story, you should ask him about it. It was hilarious. He wanted to punch us because he's so offended. But eventually, through tears and some violence, he surrendered his life because he was cut to the heart. And without that type of convergence, really, there's no gospel homecoming. And it's not always instantaneous. It's not always linear either. Right? For, the, for the disciples, it took three and a half years. Sometimes it's sinuous. It's round and round we go. It doesn't matter how long, but this moment has to take place. And only the Holy Spirit could bring that conviction, even though we can say the words. So it brings conviction, you see. And that's when we transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And many of you might be going through that, this stage. 
And that's why the Holy Spirit, and why we need to pray for the Spirit's conviction to cut the heart. Because really, in the end of the day, surrendering and, and inviting Jesus into our life is a spiritual exercise led by the Spirit. All right, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, very clearly, 12, only by the Spirit can we say, Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? It's like, God, I've been resisting you, and I need you. And maybe some of you today need to confess that. Right there in your living room, watching me in this broadcast, lifting your hands, saying, God, I recognize my need for you. I recognize my resistance to you. I surrender. Will you come into my life? And, and that's why baptisms at 180 are the highlight of the year. But we take very careful steps toward baptism. We want people to really understand the gospel, really be discipled, and experience that convergence. But when I see those baptisms, and we'll see them this year, hopefully, as quarantine ends, you'll be reminded why we do what we do, why we're here what this is all about. So if there's a, a, a phenomenon, a spiritual experience, it has to lead, what? Not only to begin gospel conversations, but it leads to gospel convergence. It leads and highlights our resistance to God and our need for God. Amen? That's amazing. So today, wherever you might be, as we close our service, Will you pray that 180 would experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit both corporately and individually so that we can draw people to God and we can see many, many, many life change. We can see people recognize their need for God and hunger for God and surrender their life to Christ and experience His amazing love and join our community. And help us, join us in this cause to restore the beauty of You and me are called. So if the Spirit will fill us, that's why He does it. He does it to not simply bless us because we're special. No. The blessing, biblically, it's always the purpose of that blessing is to what? To be a blessing to the world, the blessing to the city, the blessing to our neighbors and friends and our family, to give the shalom of God to all those around us. And that's why He moves in us and through us. So will you lift your hands today as we worship the Lord and invite Him to move in our lives, to work in us and through us. We're blessed to be a blessing right now. Amen.
Now for the benediction. Will you bow your heads? Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Let the shalom of God go with you. Amen. Until next week. Bye now. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our Sunday service live stream. Before we end today, we have some community news to share with everyone. For the foreseeable future, we will continue to stream our services online every Sunday at 12.30 p.m., both on YouTube and on Facebook Live. Although we are social distancing, we are encouraging everyone to continue to come together in spirit to hear the word on Sunday. For all of our members, we want to remind and encourage you to continue to tithe faithfully. You can give electronically through Venmo at Church 180, through PayPal at our church website, 180church.tv, or through Chase QuickPay or Zelle at offering at 180church.tv. We have our prayer text hotline available at 539-7-PRAYER or through email at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of everything that is going on the world over, or even just in the corner of our lives, God is there to hear our prayers. And our prayer team is always available so that when you send in your prayer requests, you can know that you are not praying alone, but that you have community right beside you, praying with you. As Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. We also have our Bible reading group, where we post a chapter of the Bible every day. When it's so easy to be tuned in to every news report, it's so important to be tuned in to God's Word, because we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, which sustains us, gives us comfort and hope, and leaves us grounded in Christ. You can check it out on Tumblr at 180BRG, as well as on Instagram at 180BRG. Though we are practicing responsible social distancing in this time, we still encourage everyone to come together in spirit and in small groups. That's a great way to do that. It's a place where we can come together, share our worries, our victories, and our growth in Christ, and see where God is growing us through the circumstances in our lives. Our groups have been meeting in various ways online, so no matter what stage of life you're in, or where you are in the city or beyond, we have a group for you. You can check out our website and email Pastor Billy for information and we'll get you plugged into a group. We also have a number of ways that we can gather and stay connected online. In addition to our Bible reading group Instagram and Tumblr pages at 180BRG, we also have our church Instagram, which you can find at 180Church. We also have our church Facebook page, also at 180Church. Dr. Sammy has his Twitter page at Dr. Sammy Kim. And we have our church YouTube page at 180ChurchNYC, where you can find all of our sermons and event videos. And of course, we have the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends, hosted by Pastor Lydia and Joe Liu, and centered around a critical discussion of Dr. Sammy's sermons, which you can find wherever you find your podcasts. We have started the virtual 180 Cafe on Discord. 
Here you can gather and keep in touch with one another, whether through text chat or voice chat. Discord is a free app to use on your computer or your smartphone, so feel free to drop in at any time. You never know who you're going to find there, but please bring your own coffee. If you check out our website at 180church.tv, you can find a link for the Discord there. That's it for our community news this week. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay connected, and we'll see you all again next Sunday.